Welcome back to Talk to My Assistant. I missed you last week, uh, which I guess means I missed doing this intro <laughs> and talking to myself. This episode, I have an awesome interview for you. Although I guess I always say that. Wouldn't it be weird if I was like, this week, I have a mediocre interview for you. I promise to only bring you awesome interviews. Anyways, I sit down with the writer's assistant slash script coordinator on an animated show, She studied animation in college and started down the path to actually be an animator before deciding she wanted to pivot and write comedy, but write comedy for both (laughs) live action and animation. And apparently that's pretty rare. So she's intense. We discuss making the decision to pivot tracks, the importance of a day job you can learn from, and some of the frustrating yet teachable moments she's faced as a woman of color in the industry. She also shares her experience getting a pilot script into a festival and then what that's led to, including the ominous general meetings with TV execs. And then this week on the blog, I talk about learning how to write, which is something this guest had to do when she pivoted and give you a couple resources. Also, I'm excited to announce that I will now be offering a few services. If you're breaking into the industry and looking for someone to help review your resume or get your foot in the door, I can help. I can also help give professional script notes for a pilot, spec, or feature. Check out the coaching and notes tab on talktomyassistant.com for more info um, and a little bit more about how I can help you with that. Thanks and enjoy the interview. This week's episode is brought to you by Boss Stress Balls. Send in a pic of your boss's face and we'll make a custom stress ball. Squeeze it when you're stressed, smash it when you're mad, or give it a hug when you couldn't be happier. Boss stress balls. It's not creepy. It's cathartic. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been redacted to protect the innocent. So you started in animation. You work in animation. Yes. Sorry, you still work in animation. Yeah, I still work in animation. Um, But yeah, I like didn't originally know that I wanted to write Uh for it. I had like three or four other things that I thought I wanted to do. And then in between that, I almost switched out of animation entirely. So So did you, let's start at the beginning. Did you study animation in college? How did you know you wanted to do it? Where did you grow up? We can just touch everything. My beautiful life story (laughs) memoir. Um... Yeah, so I'm the first in my family born in the U.S. Both my parents okay. uh, are immigrants, and so I grew up really loving um, art and drawing and film right. because I felt like there was like a universal aspect to okay. like that. Where are your parents from? Um, they're from Hong Kong. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, and so I really loved that, uh, but kind of put it off because I was like, it's not practical. Uh, it turned out that that is the only thing that I'm moderately not bad at, and I'm really bad at everything else. No, okay. No, I Stop, that's really not bad. true. No, I once, when I was playing basketball once, I threw it on, like, the the wrong side. I, I shot a basket for, like, the other. Like, I actually did that. Oh, I did that, too. I yeah. did that yeah. on a, in a game, like yeah. a recreational yes. game, but yeah. I, I, I was so happy I made a hoop, and it was for <laughs> the wrong team. <laughs> I, no, and that's to say, so, like, I'm not ever going to have a career as a WNBA player, but I'm also, I just, I felt like drawing and, like, talking which is not really a skill but I feel like drawing and like art and and like that was a thing that I could actually do and I just want to interject yeah. I think talking is a skill that we're using right <laughs> Thank now you. oh good everything has led up to this moment yeah. so enjoy it if you're listening um I yeah so I went to school for um animation went to went to college uh for that and was very lucky to get into a bfa program and uh i but i didn't really know a lot about it like i basically was the kind of person who was like i think this is what animation is got to school and was like i was wrong right. um, but i'm in this major now and i still really liked it um, what was different about it that you weren't expecting i i was not expecting that it would be uh 
so much drawing which sounds like a very dumb thing like I love drawing but there was a big difference between drawing for like five to ten hours after school every day and drawing 40 to 60 hours a week uh to get your draftsmanship to the level that it would have had even for me to be good enough to work professionally okay all the artists in animation probably draw 40 to 80 hours a week okay um consistently and that's not even comparable to what you do before going to college so um I was not expecting that I wasn't expecting um that every part was so segmented and you know like it would be in live action where everyone has their role when I was drawing for myself it'd be like I'd come up with the story I invent the characters right I draw everything I color everything I make a film like I was used to doing that and that's not how the industry it's works. It's very micro, so yeah. it's you're only doing the task at hand. Okay. Right. And so I didn't know that. Um, but I was in this major, and I had, like, begged and fought my parents for literally six years to do it. For Like, no, maybe, like, yeah, I'll, oh, years. <laughs> so, so that's what I was going to ask is I always think it's an interesting <laughs> question if someone's parents yeah. are on board. Yeah. Um, they were not until okay. I got a very generous scholarship okay. to my program. <laughs> and they were like, all right. Go so the scholarship it. was specific to that program. It, so that... it was specific to the school. Okay. Yeah. And I had That's awesome. <laughs> purposely only applied to that school with that major yeah. designated. So I was yeah. already in the program. Smart. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then while I was in the program, I realized that I I wanted to do like creature animation, which okay. is like a very specific uh, thing that, again, I had no understanding of. And then when I realized what it actually was, at the time I had, was studying abroad in Florence. and I, What is it? Creature animation is mostly in like nowadays like video games and like maybe some feature animators like feature film animators but you don't you don't really you're not employed as like a creature animator like that's not like a thing but really for the layman aka me (laughs) is a creature like a creature on screen yeah like an animal or a fictional i love animals and gremlins and things i'm like a very proud gremlin (laughs) woman Uh, i love i'm like my favorite animal is a capybara Okay. Because their proportions are so bizarre, and they're the only animal with not the only animal, but they're a, a rare animal that has claws, yeah. but also like webbing between the claws. Well, I I'm saw like, I saw one once. Yeah, really. Yeah, oh, I love copybars. Yeah, like I I want to go to a copybar preserve really badly. They have those. Yes, they oh do. Oh my god, I have to go hunt one down. But they're so cute. They're the world's largest rodent. Yeah, and I that was up, like not cute, by the way. I did not I, think it was cute. I, but they're but they're like scary cute. They're like uh, ugly cute, you know. Thing. That's a stretch, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be you. fun to animate. Thank you. Yeah, so I like love like weird animals, and I thought I was like, oh, and I love drawing, so I must love both. Untrue. <laughs> um, I like had a weird crisis and decided to go study abroad, which is like the most like millennial right, like, right, thing. Right. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling. Guess I'll go travel. travel. Yeah, but I got very lucky because our school encourages that. Yeah, um, and covers it in the tuition so it was like actually doable yeah so I studied abroad and while I was abroad I was like I love being abroad um I don't think I could ever work like uh, a regular job I think I should go and try to teach for like a year teach English and do yeah. Fulbright or something yeah um after school and just like see the world more mm-hmm. which is like fine but also I I had like that weird moment while I was abroad I came back had like a very abrupt awakening back into my junior year of college and realized that uh, I should probably be a little more realistic. And I got yeah. very lucky after I studied abroad to get an internship. Uh-huh. So I got an internship at a uh, animation studio at the time. And during like my- one of the preeminent animation studios. Um, it was a toy company doing animation. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not yet. I, I got there eventually. So I had my first major internship was basically for a toy company. Okay. Um, and it was a, a huge learning curve for me. And I basically realized, like, oh, I want to be, like, a storyboard artist. Okay. Which, in animation, is the person who draws, like, basically frame by frame the action based off a script they're handed. Oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting if you're if you're now a writer, because it seems like that is a very, that's a middle step, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's, you kind of have control over the story, but you're still drawing. Yeah. So it's kind of like you decide more of the cinematic choices yeah. as opposed to, like, the characters and like what the framework okay. of the message is um but it's still it's super important and I really liked what I thought was going to be like my that niche so I pursued that and um during this time I had another internship right after that in UI UX design at 
a major studio. Realized quickly I was terrible at it. What's UI? Um, user interface and user. Um, it's kind of like designing. It's buttons. It's it's buttons. Okay, it's so this was buttons. outside of entertainment. It, it was. It was for a major entertainment studio, but okay. doing UX UI design. And I I made that kind of like move because I basically wanted to see if. Um, there was another practical application to my major. During this time, my parents were kind of like, are you like going to try to get a job? You know, I don't know. Yeah. And I kind of had a bunch of doubts. And so I was trying to find like another funnel that was more practical. Like a real job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I basically was like, mm, I should try this. Yeah. Um, I was so bad at it that I realized that I nope. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like my career path is mostly me trying things, realizing that I'm so unredemptively capable of doing them that I go back to the thing that I'm like oh no I can actually do this so that's me I'm like finding the but thing I can actually do <laughs> maybe it's not a capability thing maybe it's just if you're you're just not excited yeah. about the other yeah things. I think that was part of it where I was just like I don't want to count the pikas between this bar and this bar and I don't like, even know is it a Pikachu a pika, is that, <laughs> which that'd be so cool if you could use like Pikachu <laughs> as a unit of measurement and design but it's more like um yeah it's just a unit of measurement okay. for like design and it was fine and I'm really I again admire people who are good at it yeah not one of them and yeah so after that I went and uh interned at another major animation studio this is my first like major animation television studio internship and so I had one there and then got very lucky that that turned into a production assistant job okay so like an entry-level gig uh on what ended up being was this after graduation this was uh my right after my junior year right before I was supposed to graduate from undergraduate okay yeah so So how are you you were going to class and then going to do this job I had six credits left my senior year okay I was trying to graduate early to save money okay and it kind of like got shuffled in the whatever yeah but I had just few enough credits for them to be like we'll work with you on this yeah if you want to go to school full-time and my my job was very nice to let me come in at like 10 on like Wednesdays and then stay till 8 yeah so I could go to my 8 a.m class on Wednesday oh my god so I had class from 8 to 9.30 and then I would drive from the location of my school all the way to work which was about an hour an hour and a half in traffic oh my god and I would get there around 10 30 11 do some of my work and then leave around like eight or nine on like a certain day for the first semester and the second semester I just worked like from home on on my school work stuff but those were those were really rough nine months and I I honestly strongly do not recommend it unless I needed the money and yeah it was a good experience. And it's hard to turn down, especially in this industry, it's hard to turn down yeah. a job, even if it comes too soon. Yeah. So while I was there, I realized that it's going to be really, really hard to become a storyboard artist. And the entry-level version of that is storyboard revisionist. So I started taking a bunch of practice tests. What they do is if you're interested in an art thing, you take an art test. And so for people who are kind of starting out, you can take the tests for practice. Um, I took a bunch, I got better, but I was never really like, obviously never good enough. What is an art test? An art test it's kind of like, so for writers, you turn in an original sample. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have you like soft pitch some ideas or something, or you go on a general and and you talk. Um, For artists, you're given like a example assignment, basically, and a prompt, and then you're asked to to create... um, or execute an artistic process, either character design, biz dev, background painting, background design, in their respective discipline, um, in the style of the show, because every show has a different art style. And they do that to make sure that you can match and hit their style, and to take notes and feedback and like follow directions. Um, And there were a bunch for storyboarding, and so I took a bunch of those tests, and I got better. Probably a lot of work, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was still fresh, and so I would spend my weekends doing that yeah but I again never got good enough to the point where I was offered a full-time job and probably for the better because it wasn't the right fit for me so yeah so you weren't enjoying it enough either yeah I realized that I really just liked coming up with ideas and so for a while I was like oh I want to be in a board-driven show okay and in animation a board-driven show means that the writers only write up into an outline. Like, all the Cartoon Network shows, Steven Universe, Adventure Time, are all run this way. They all have um, 
an outline and then the board artist can, will go in and write the dialogue. Sometimes they'll change little parts of the story as well. And then they also draw every single panel. So I wanted to do that for a while. Um, I would test for those shows, but I saw that those, that style of show was becoming less and less prevalent. And the people who were in those roles are like, man, they're like savant, like, uh, like amazing artists, like master, like Cal, like the top kids of Cal Arts, you know? Yeah. Like the Cal Arts kids, the Ringling kids, like Re- Sheridan kids, Gablon, like the crazy, crazy talented. And I was kind of like, I think I only like the story part of it. I don't even like the other parts of it as much as I thought I did. And then finally I was like, oh, I think I should try writing. But I was really scared. Right. Because I had so many writer friends and I didn't want to feel like I was stepping on their Right. Thing. Yeah, I felt the same way for yeah. sure. Yeah. And also because I was like, they work so hard and struggle so hard in their respective discipline. And like, I, um, I haven't been cut out for all these things. What makes me think that I'm... Right for this this one that's even that looks even harder yeah so I uh but I decided to try it out anyways um and I just tried to learn on my own as much as I could I would uh you know Google has a lot of resources so I would just be like googling stuff reading scripts um breaking them down myself I would just write and fail like I what was the thing sorry I don't mean to cut you off because this is awesome please but like yeah what was the thing that made you that was like pushing you through all of this or that right. made you go writing right okay um I think there's a couple things like I had always loved stories and like I really liked the message that could communicate like that's a really cheesy like yeah. baseline motivation I think growing up in a place where I saw the need for, um, like, heightened cultural understanding. Yeah. Between, both between, like, just age gaps and generation gaps and also just cultural gaps. Yeah. I found uh, storytelling and specifically comedy to be, like, a a relief. Yeah. Where it would keep people engaged for long enough to learn something about themselves, even when they didn't want to. And um, I also just, like, loved it like I I like being entertaining I hope yeah. that I'm moderately entertaining sometimes like I, I liked I liked that kind of process yeah and uh and I also again felt like it was one of the few things I was actually like above average at yeah. aside from like my basketball failures my failures <laughs> in every other subject in school I was like oh I can actually do this right so I might as well stick with it and also I was like well I need to pick something to feed myself you know right. it's like a combination of a lot of things but I think through the t- the main like emotional motivation was just I like I think there's a lot of, there honestly is a lot of power in like the stories you tell to yourself yeah. and to others. And I was just trying to figure out the best way for me to show that. And yeah. I think when I realized I could write original stuff and get traction for it, that like really clicked for me. Okay. So, so you were like self-teaching yourself to yeah. write. Yeah. I mean, you had a story mind because you'd been doing storyboarding and stuff and you'd been in the tv world right but so you were like reading a bunch of scripts yeah. talking to friends getting notes yeah it was um I got so lucky I I would say like my number one thing is like build a community for sure yeah whenever you're looking to pivot like always build a community of people who are either have done the same pivot or done a similar change and definitely people who are already oh, sorry I just like <laughs> for a little. Guys, I had boba and now it's coming back to haunt me. Cute. Okay. Um, yeah, and definitely find people who are uh, where you you hope to be. Yeah. Who are, and I think that sounds a lot easier than, than it is to find those people. Right. But I think I was very lucky in that working in production for like three years, I had a really wide net of people who were willing to mentor me. Right. I was very grateful for that. Um, yeah, I had friends who sat me down, taught me how to break down an episode of a show to write a spec script. I had no idea how to write a spec script before that. I didn't even know the difference between multi-cam and and single cam, which is embarrassing to think about now. Someone had to teach me that. Yeah, but these are things (laughs) that you can't expect to be born knowing. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, didn't know the difference between broadcast and cable. Like, lots of really basic things I did not go to school for. I was literally learning from the ground up. I would spend so much time listening. There's some really great, like, um like books and like other podcasts even like there's a current podcast right now that's not even intended to be for writing the good place podcast oh yeah yeah. and I love that show but like that 
podcast is basically like a writing podcast. Like over half of those episodes are just the writers breaking down like their story process yeah. and what they thought of. And it's like, it was really helpful just to have stuff like that. And then, yeah, friends who were either already writer's assistants, already um, kind of in the scene and knew what was going on could help me because I I love kid, like I love animation, but there's a certain way you write for animation and there's a certain way that you write for live action. And a lot of the stories I wanted to tell had a more live action-esque sensibility. And I always want to gravitate towards telling the story that's honest to me, not trying to squeeze my story into a medium. Right. Because I feel like that doesn't work quite as well. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate. And like, I just honestly wrote a bunch. Just It's just practice and putting the, in those hours and wrote like a ton of really terrible pilots. Mm-hmm. And then finally wrote one that like felt, it felt like me and it felt better. It felt like something that I wasn't going to like tear up and like never look at again. Um, I showed it to one of my writing mentors who I had met through someone I met when I was first starting out as a PA and this writer who is kind of an upper level, she's currently a co-EP on a, a show. She uh, was very kind to like give me notes and help me get it to a certain level and that pilot ended up getting into the New York Television Festival, which... That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Wait, so did you send it out to a bunch of different festivals or how did you decide to do that specific festival what was your process um (laughs) I picked that one because a lot of my peers at through the improv and comedy community had either gone put their pilots through it or um gone to it and I heard really good feedback also I love New York City yes and (laughs) trip to New York yeah yeah yeah, and I'm like any excuse to justify paying for a flight there because I actually have a place a lot of my really close friends from college yeah also live in New York City so I was like I have a, pl- a free place to stay, yeah. but I need a reason to go. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so I applied just hoping to like visit New York, which is not a good reason for anything. I but mean, it worked out. Whatever yeah. motivation you needed, yeah. it's awesome how it worked out. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I was really pleasantly surprised that festival got me uh, really awesome generals into a lot of big studios around town. And that was something that um, I wasn't expecting at all. Was that before or after you got reps? That's the, this, it was all happening at the same time. Okay. So a couple of months before I got in the uh, NYTBF, I met what would become the assistant to my future reps. Okay. It was just, you know, you do the hustle. You, I go on drinks or dinners almost four to five times a week. I've been doing that since I was a PA when I want to do storyboards. And so at this point, I've probably gone on like 200 yeah. like, informal <laughs> meetings. And honestly, I really enjoy them. Yeah. I'm a really extroverted writer, though. Yeah. And and even when I was an artist, I was one of the more outgoing ones, traditionally. Um, it doesn't really matter what personality type you are. You can succeed. I think me being outgoing has been not constructive in a lot of other ways. But in terms of meeting people, it's how, been very constructive. How has it been non-constructive? Because when I'm like... It works for being a comedy room, but when I was trying to be a storyboard artist, and you have to be alone a lot of the time, yeah. And I always like would just be distracting or distracted or like want another person to bounce stuff off of, like a board partner, basically, which you would have in theory. But you're also expected to like do a lot of work on your own. Whereas I really found my home more in a comedy room because you're really breaking everything down. Even if you're like freelancing a script or a draft, like you can, in theory, in a in an ideal situation, you'd have multiple other people to like pitch off of and like even in improv and comedy performance sketch, all the sketch teams that I would write for, like there were other people there. Wait, so what is your improv and sketch experience and when did that come into play? Um, So I started uh, taking classes at UCB and writing for IO West, which is no longer in LA, but- RIP. I know, RIP, IO West, you're (laughs) the best. Um, I started doing that right when I decided I wanted to be a writer because I, I was okay. like, I need, well, the, the improv thing came earlier. So the improv came when I was a production coordinator because I was having this time where I was like, will I never be able to do a creative role? Like I need to do something creative. And I was getting really burnt out and taking all those storyboard tests mm-hmm. and they weren't feeling right anymore. Yeah. But, that's, that's also what made me do improv is just being burnt out and yeah. uncreative in development. Yeah. Because improv is like the fastest creative mm-hmm thing that you can do with like the most immediate rewards yeah. too and building community mm-hmm. okay yeah it's super fun um and all the people are like so funny and yeah. I like really found my home there and I got very lucky that someone I had worked with at that studio was on a house team at UCB at the time referred me into their diver- their diversity program very fortunate to get into the program 
and they helped compensate for some of my class my classes there and i've been i've been at ucb for like three three years now like three full years which is okay. a long time i originally started thinking that i would do like 101 to 401 and ended up yeah going through advanced taking some sketch classes a storytelling class like being relatively involved in the community yeah some of my really close friends are from ucb like yeah and i was not expecting that i just wanted to like escape my right escape my other situation yeah um <laughs> that's funny yeah uh yeah so escapism is the yeah. key, <laughs> is the key is the to key any good to survival yep don't think about your problems just run from them <laughs> um, yeah so I started UCB around that time and then about a year after that I realized that I wanted to write um to write yeah and I, but I didn't know what because uh you know writing for animation 6 to 11 versus writing for adult animation versus sketch like late night versus yeah episode there's so many different kinds yeah. of tv but it, and they all are like their own world and like in theory you can write for whatever style but when you're a baby writer they ask you to like really pick one and just be good at yeah. it yeah um and i had a very similar thing where it's like doing improv or something creative like that is very enjoyable but then you're kind of considering how do I make this tangible? Yeah. Because improv to me is more of an experience, but it's definitely, you're not going to have a career as an improviser yeah. probably. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's in like, how can I take this kind of storytelling or comedy or whatever, or whatever it's awoken in me, Yeah. and how can I make that into something tangible? Is that something that you were feeling too? Yeah. Or, yeah. 100%. Like making something that you love into a tangible experience that you can survive off of yeah and like pay rent for is like so it definitely makes a huge difference yeah. and I think that that's where I was trying to figure out when I started I did the Sunday sketch show at yeah. IO which is okay. really cool you they basically pick like a group of writers and actors and you do a show every Sunday for a, a month yeah and I did that and you get like a bunch of great sketches out of it you get sketches on your feet I learned so much within those four weeks because I was like I wrote sketches that bombed I wrote sketches that killed and like they put it up and they'll they'll direct it and like that you learn a lot about who what works on stage what's funny to you what's funny when executed and then what's funny once it's performed yeah and that was a really great experience um and through that I realized like oh I do like I do really like writing for comedy so I started doing more specs more pilots um and uh yeah so there's that portion of it right and then and then that's how you kind of transitioned into wanting to write half hours. Yes. Live action half hours and, and animation. Animated. Yeah. And at what point did you pivot your job? Right. Um, so my job pivot happened, again, I, it's a lot of it's timing and I yeah. got really lucky with the timing. So I had been at a new studio, still as a production coordinator, for um, almost a year. And when I went in, I had told them very bluntly, because they had poached me, so I knew that I could be upfront with them. I was like, look, I'll accept this job, but I really want to be a board artist, and I want to make that clear. I don't want to lead you on that, like, after a year, I'm going to start testing, and I'm going to search. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actively try to lead the show. Because at that point, that's what you said. Yeah, still. that's okay. what I wanted. And then within, like, 10 months of that, I realized, like, oh, no, I think I want to write. So during that yeah. time, I was so adamant about it, too. I, I, I think I got a little comfortable to the point, and to be, to my credit, like, I had experience as a production coordinator. I knew that I was good at my job. So yeah. I felt the liberty to go in and literally be like, just so you all are aware, this is yeah. where I want to be, even though yeah. I'm here right now. Yeah. Which I don't advise doing unless you are very confident that yeah. you can keep your job. Yeah. I, I would Because you're basically saying, I don't want to yes. do this. Yes. At which point they could say, yeah. we'll hire someone yeah. who does. But I got very lucky. Yeah. And they gave me the offer and I was there. So, um, oh, so you were asking to transition within the same studio. Okay. Yes, which is why I had to be so upfront because it's like also, it would become a political issue. You couldn't go like behind the scenes and apply for another job like under the same umbrella. Yeah. 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 They'd be like, what is this girl? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Change your name. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I also wanted to be respectful. Like, I I was really lucky. I loved the crew that I I ended up being on. And on that show, I was like, honestly, if I'm here for two years, like, who cares? It's, It's so rare that you're on a show where you you love the people and you love the you know it's like yeah. it's just hard to find the right chemistry and that's not to like knock any other projects it's just to say like how wonderful it is 
when that happens. When all the pieces are yes. actually and it's working so together. Difficult yeah. to find that. And that the leadership is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the, sh- the show, the way it's built. Yeah. So it was a season three show, so it was running super smoothly. Yeah. And um, at the 10 month ish mark, uh, an opening for a script coordinator opened up at the studio. And I was lucky to hear about it because I had previously worked with one of the directors on that show. And I went to this director and said, Hey, I know that you've been mentoring me for storyboards. Everyone thinks that I want to do storyboards. Um, how do you feel about what if I pursued writing? Like, would that be like a huge issue? Yeah. Because I had taken up so much people's time, you know, yeah. in terms of practicing tests, in terms of getting better, that I didn't, I don't know, I almost felt like indebted to all the board artists that I had asked questions for, the directors who were kind yeah. to me. Which isn't necessarily fair to yourself, but I understand that feeling because it's so hard also sometimes to find people to mentor you and help you, and then you don't want them to feel like that was a loss. Yeah, I didn't want them to be like, well, we wasted our time on this random. Like, this is why millennials can't buy homes. Yeah. I think they understand that. (laughs) This is why millennials... No, it's avocado toast. Yeah. Avocado toast is why we can't buy homes. And then I asked the director, hey, can you make me some avocado (laughs) Avocado toast? toast. I have an air... order it in? (laughs) I know I'm just a production coordinator, but I'd like you, a director, to (laughs) make me some avocado (laughs) toast, please. Um, No, but this person was very, very kind and... Uh, without me asking, basically recommended me directly to the showrunner, which I would I would never ask someone high up like, hey, can you can you get me a job on your show? It yeah, just yeah. it's a little bit much. But I went to so he recommended me, and uh, that showrunner was very kind to uh, to acknowledge the recommendation and uh, read the sample I submitted, and then I got an interview within a couple days, and then a couple days later got the gig. It was in the same studio. I had one week to train the next person after me and one week to learn my new job, and then I was in the new job. Wow. And it was, like, the fastest. Because it was, we were literally on the same floor. So yeah. it was just, like, I just, my desk moved to the other side of the floor. So it was good that you were transitioning internally, because yes. otherwise that probably would have been an undoable timeline. Yes. Also, that, I believe that that, actually, you know what? I'm not sure. But I do believe that I found out about that opening very, very early on. I think I found out, like, the day that they promoted their their other script coordinator to staff writer, and then the second that that opening opened, opening opened, the second that that happened, um, oh, here comes another burp. Wait for it. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> Boba burps. Um, <laughs> cute. But yeah, so I was I'm. Some of it is just timing, you know. Right. And the fit, and I happened to fit the show. So yeah, I was on that show for like a year and a half and during that time is when I ended up meeting what would become my my reps basically right about a year about over a year into being a script coordinator right as I was about to freelance my first script for the show I met an assistant who we clicked really well read my original sample and passed it on to her boss her boss started hip hip pocketing me and sending me out under their name to test me out I started getting getting a lot of positive feedback so they were interested and then once I got into the New York TV Fest and I started getting interest from live action as well they were like oh we'll just sign you because yeah. at that point they were like we might as well I mean we're doing this work for you anyway so let's just make this a partnership right and it's been great I'm very lucky to have reps that I that I really appreciate and like um yeah and uh it, it does make a huge difference for me because within the studio the second that I got reps it just opens a lot of doors in terms right. of writing for sure yeah. You mean internally, too? And even internally, yeah. Because... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. Oh, uh, yeah. Just because my reps are close with, you know, people at the studios. And that's something that I did look for, which is, like, I wanted reps who understood both animation and live action and wouldn't try to pin me into just one or the other. Um, or would at least let me develop for the other if I were staffed on one and had like a non-compete contract or, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, which is really smart and thinking ahead of you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, because I really love both and I, I enjoy both genuinely. Yeah. And so I didn't want to get locked. Because, you know, I have, there's writers who like, you know, if you're on WGA show and you're locked into that contract, you can't mm-hmm. develop. Right. But so are animated shows not WGA? No, they're all Animation okay. Guild unless they're prime time. So okay. like, and, and really quickly, WGA is Writers Guild yes, of America, right? Yes, That's and okay. almost every six to eleven animation show is either non-union or Animation Guild, depending okay. on their location. A okay. lot of big studios aren't even union, depending on where they're located. Oh, wow. But most of LA is Animation Guild. Um, even like uh, Rick and Morty is Animation Guild, even though they're an adult show. 
But it's animated. Yes, it's animated. Yeah. So it's under Animation Guild, but the rates are different. The results oh, are different. Uh-oh. Yeah. Interesting. And also, while we're talking about the difference between animation and live action, we talked on this podcast about what a script coordinator is in episode one, if anyone wants to go back and listen. But what is a script coordinator on an animated... And you're on an animated children's yes, show, right? Yes. So what is that job Yeah, entail? although the show I'm on right now is less children's. It's oh. more like tween to young adult. It definitely okay. hits like more of a family audience as opposed to like a kid's show. Which right, right, I prefer it's much closer to what I want to do. Okay. But I really like the humor of our show, which is which is nice. That's the luxury of like working for a studio that has a contract with a streaming service because you're not forced to hit like the broadcast age standards for like right. ad sales and stuff like yeah. that. I, I think that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I, it I sounds think, right yeah, to me. Yeah, if I'm wrong, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean. But yeah. So a script coordinator, at least at the studio that I work for, um, and they act- it actually varies from show to show, from studio to studio. But on our show, uh, also acts as a writer's assistant and also acts as a showrunner's assistant in a minor way. So I handle the calendar of our showrunner and I also take notes in all of our brainstorm and punch-up writer's rooms meetings. I'll pitch when it's appropriate. Um, I make sure that all the scripts are conformed and exported and treated properly and um, I also ensure that it's uh, communicated between production and the writing team what's necessary. Yeah. Um, this show is not in its first season, so there's a lot of things that I'm very lucky to not need to right. deal with. There's like an infrastructure in yes, place. Yes, so. everything's built already. However, it's early on in this new season, so a lot of ish- things that I would normally handle, like you know, tracking pickups or, like, any time something is called for post. Um, what do you mean tracking pickups? So, like, in uh, animation, you often board and then compile an animatic, and d- any dialogue changes that happen at that point, after, especially after the first animatic, that would become, like, a pickup line, and you okay. need to re-record it. So I basically oh, track yeah, it for yeah. the actors. And yeah. then I also sit in all the records with our voice actors and do circle takes, which oh, cool. is something that other script coordinators at other studios do not do. What's a circle take? A circle take is, are the takes that you want to use for your final... Okay. Um, for your oh, final so you're thing. like circling it on yeah. the paper. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. So much interesting animation <laughs> lingo. I feel like we need a glossary. It is very fascinating. <laughs> um, but I think, and I'm sure for live action, it's vastly different. My friends who work in live action have very different yeah. stories. And it, 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 but it also varies from show to show. Right. Um, yeah, and so, but I, yeah, it... It's it it's a couple different roles combined at least for my show. Uh huh. Um, but it's great and like uh very very lucky that like many times they do offer a freelance script to the script coordinator, and that's something that's like a a huge deal just to get that written by credit and to like learn the show in the room and everything. And, and you did that already. I did that for the last show. I saw okay. On. And then this show during our interview they mentioned it and they've slotted a spot for me. We haven't hit that point yet. It's yeah. usually later in the season and I yeah. just started on the show literally like 6 weeks ago. Oh, well that's awesome that yeah. they're slotting it though. It's very yeah, it's I'm very excited. Um but it it definitely depends on on the show. Yeah. And, and some shows have a more or like this show got a full season order. Some shows that only get 10 episodes, you know, they don't have that extra that extra space. Right, so. right. Um so then it's interesting because you're you're living these like two separate worlds in yeah. a way, which is like pretty common, I feel like, because it's your you as a writer selling yourself and going out on these meetings with your reps and then also working this I mean, assistant job, but not an assistant job in the same way that a lot of podcast guests have been. So do you find find yourself split between these two things a bit, or has it been pretty easy for you to continue both? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I feel like there's definitely times where I, well, first of all, I don't know if I ever feel like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I'm like, okay, this is my schedule for today. Yeah. Hope I live. Like, yeah. Ugh. Um, but for the most part, I would say I actually really enjoy it. And the reason why I enjoy it is because I learn so much from uh, helping someone else fulfill their vision. You know, because I, uh, they have much more, most of the people who are showrunners have more experience in the industry than I have experienced like subsisting on earth. You know, yeah. like they're yeah. very experienced people. So, <laughs> subsisting yes, on earth. <laughs> yes, my, my many years of wheezing on this earth yeah. do not compare to yeah. the professional experience. So <laughs> they know a lot more than I do. And I'm really lucky to, you know, just observe how they do things and how they handle themselves. Right. I really like that. 
Um, on the flip side, there are some things that like are important to me that like aren't always represented, or there are stories that like I want to tell and I think I'd be the best person for it. Yeah, and it's a really cool opportunity to be able to do that in a room when you're in a general. Um, you get to share like why you want to do this. So when you're going and doing your yes. own projects, yes, yeah. and like the luxury of having spare time to write after work is yeah. awesome. Just because as someone who had to go to school like part time while working full time. I see it as a luxury to have free time. Yeah. I remember what it felt like to literally be doing homework till like 1 a.m. All my weekends doing homework during the week at work, after work. Like it just yeah. was awful. And so now that I can breathe, even being able to sit down and write for two hours, I consider it a luxury. Yeah. Or like going to an improv show. Yeah. And being able to like watch an improv show for an hour in LA, like that's a luxury. I yeah. Mean, I remember the times when I was just like crying in my school's bathroom. So, <laughs> oh, I don't. Yeah. I just laughed at you saying you're crying. <laughs> no, well, it was hilarious. I'm bookmarking this because we need to talk about the bathroom crying. Oh later. yeah. Um, but so it's like the fact that you're kind of living these connected but also parallel paths is almost something that like you get energy from or that you enjoy. Yeah, I think I've found, and maybe I enjoy it because mentally framing it so it's enjoyable is the only way to survive it yeah but also as far as I'm concerned I love it I'm gonna tell myself (laughs) I love it because that's what I'm doing yeah um but I think I think it's nice you know I think my day job gives me a place to grow and learn from and all my extra stuff gives me a place to show what I've learned and how I've grown to other people and it's very mature thank you I mean it's it's important to have both because I feel like right. if I'm a sponge and I'm not releasing anything, I'm just yeah. gonna be like a disgusting wet sponge. Yeah. Like I love the sponge analogy, but also like how gross is that? Like yeah. I don't want to absorb everything if I can't release anything. Yeah. So um, I think that's important for me. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the best. It, it's an ideal situation as of now. And then just to come full circle, you've been your reps have been sending you on generals as you were saying in both animation and live action. Mm-hmm with the hopes of, you know, selling a project or staffing yeah. or, okay, have you had any crazy, like, what what are the generals like? Have there been any bizarre moments or weird conversations or? Man, I mean, I think that the thing I love about generals is you never know what you're going to get. Right. I, I had, oh, also, just really quickly, a general is, um, in this circumstances, a meeting with no specific agenda, so she'll go meet. Um, an executive so writers and executives will sit down and just kind of learn about each other to see if there's a project they want to work on eventually right what, yes. is that okay yes um no that's the perfect way to phrase it I was just whenever I, I explain general I just say like well generally a yeah. general is just, you know you just talk about stuff generally. and I feel like that's not a good explanation yeah. of it well I mean sometimes that's why like the meetings are kind of like loosey-goosey right yeah yeah they're really fun um I would say they range, I have had generals where they were with one person only um, and some some generals, people would invite themselves into the general, which I actually love and I would like have an extra person there that I wasn't expecting. There were other generals where, um, you know, they got caught in a meeting so it was pushed a full hour and then when I had the chance to meet with them, they were super, super kind and gracious and, like, bought me dinner. And yeah. we talked for, like, an hour and a half, yeah, two yeah. hours. And that was, like, an amazing general because most people would never do that for right. you. Um, I would have gladly waited an hour to talk to anyone for 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and then there's other general. There was one where I uh, got very lost and um, I thought I was going to be late, which is terrible. You never want to be late for general. And yeah. I, I got there, like, half an hour early. I spent half an hour wandering around what I learned afterwards is the big little lies to set because I parked on the wrong side of the, the, the building that I was supposed to be going toward. And so yeah. there were all these trailers and I like took the wrong foot of stairs and was just wandering around and I, I was getting really frustrated and I saw this guy and he was like, hey, like, are you here for Big Little Lies? And I was like, no, but I could be. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you want to cast me? Yeah, I'm like, hey, I'm here. Uh... But he was so nice, and instead of, like, most people would be upset that you had crashed their set. Yeah. But he was like, okay, where are you trying to go? And so I, like, explained it to him. I was like, I'm just trying to meet with this person. And I had to walk, like, all the way around these trailers. And, like, I think they were – luckily it wasn't, like, a live set. I think it was yeah. just, like, they were rehearsing or something. 
but I was like walking through everything and then there was construction like between the building that I was at and needed to go to so I had to walk all the way around it took me like literally 25 minutes to walk on the on my way out I realized yeah. the proper path was like a five minute walk but I literally uh, went like the long way around everything. Well, lots are also so confusing. They right? are. Yeah. They don't make any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really do not. And I mean, I have so many stories just from trying to figure out the parking structures. Yeah. <laughs> like there were at least two meetings that I thought I was going to miss. I ended up getting re- there right on time. And uh, like both meetings, I ended up waiting half an hour to an hour to meet with a person anyway. So I could have been later. <laughs> it didn't yeah. matter. Um think of other just experiences yeah the thing I love about general meetings is they're a lot they're very similar to improv in the sense that like yeah they feed into each other and you're just like talking with the person and trying to see like yeah where you connect and honestly it it's kind of on the writer to drive the meeting and make yeah. sure that like they know who you are mm-hmm. that they have a clear vision of like the relationships you've built like I try to men- mention like the people who have mentored me and the shows that I've been on and the shows that I would like to be on, and the shows that I watch. Um, I think that just being confident in what you can bring to a show is like a huge, a huge part of it. And then just like kind of reading how they're feeling. Like there was some meetings where you could tell that that exec was exhausted. Like they had probably yeah. just been screamed at or gotten out of a crazy, really high stress, you know, environment right before it. And so a lot of it's just like, feeling it out and going with it yeah you you can't plan for everything I never the only planning I do for my journals is I make sure I know who that person is and what they've worked on yeah but I don't try to like rehearse my pitch you don't write a script for your general meeting no I don't that'd be really interesting though yeah I kind of want to you'd be like no your line is supposed to be I want to buy your script (laughs) that would be an interesting bit I feel like that might work at some studios to try as like a very dumb bit for the first 30 seconds and then be like just kidding yeah that was a bit um yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that's that's generally how it's been. How do you get away from your office? Um, I am very very fortunate that my current showrunner is very kind to give me lunches, and my reps try to schedule these during my lunches. I will also be honest, and this is like an industry thing, and everyone knows. Uh, you put a doctor's appointment on the calendar yeah that's what you do like yeah so they're cool though for you to leave and go to the doctor like yes some people's bosses wouldn't even be cool with that also that's lucky it's kind of like an unspoken truth at the studio that I'm at currently that like I am repped and that I've been sent out because my reps have a relationship with most people at the studio yeah and have been sending me out for staffing at the studio that I work for currently yeah so like they all know but I will be honest and say like it's really it's a little taboo to like openly talk about it it's not really appropriate it's kind of it's just weird yeah you know it's a little bit weird it's kind of like it's kind of like suggesting that two people have who have been together for a long time should get engaged soon in front of them it's, like, just kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, like, don't you hate it when that happens? Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, I've never had that happen to me. I've had it happen many, many right, times. Right, and it's yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, That's I, would, a, I like that analogy. Yeah, I think that the, the takeaway just being, like, forcing a greater commitment that's been agreed upon yeah. by two parties is unfortunate. And that's equivalent in the situation where it's, like, I'm not committed. And no one has asked for me to be staffed yet. And I haven't said, yes, I, I think I could really do a great job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so asserting that beforehand is just kind of odd. Right. Um, and I also, like, love my current situation. I would never want to do anything to compromise it. Yeah. So I am discreet about my current yeah. place, but it is known. But uh, we are, like, this is the best way to go about it right. currently. So do you think they're going to be like, we all got you this care basket because like we think there's something seriously (laughs) wrong with your health I I hope not they technically I don't know that they can do that um oh another burp I think (laughs) to be fair there is something wrong with my my health I think I've burped like four times I know now you're gonna have to have real doctor's appointments and they're gonna be like no you can't have any more (laughs) what you're doing yeah I and you know I am I try my very best. A lot of these meetings are like 9 a.m. or like 11.30 a.m. So it's very much like, okay, I'll go in late 
mm-hmm. and then I'll just stay to make up the time. That's the yeah. huge thing. It's like as long as I, I'm on top of my job and I know what I'm doing, it's fine. And I'll yeah. make sure like because I know the schedule ahead of time, like I make sure to never miss records. I like my my managers are really great about being like, okay, this isn't work. We'll just reschedule it to this time. And yeah. they have no problem doing that because they don't want me to compromise my current quality. Yeah. It would not speak well to them if even no matter how good that sample is that I have, there's always someone with a better sample. Like not not to diss myself, but like it's LA. Yeah. No one's walking around thinking that they have the best sample in LA. Yeah. It's like kind of obnoxious. Um, but regardless of that, it's like they don't want to be repping someone who has a bad reputation in their current role anyways. Yeah. So they would never do anything to like hurt that. Um, and I make sure I'm very mindful to like schedule it so it doesn't disrupt anything. Yeah. And then I'm gone when I need to be gone and I come back and I make up the time. And sometimes if that means I'm there till eight, that's no problem as long as I get my work done. So and I'm very fortunate for that. Yeah. That's super lucky. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that you cried in the bathroom I at did. school. One of the questions I like to ask everyone is like, when did you cry in the bathroom? So walk us through one of these moments. <sighs> we can relive it together. Also yes. at work, do you ever have those moments? I, I do, but it's usually like brought on by myself or like a multitude of things that like aren't the responsibility of other people. Yeah. I think that in our paths and careers, especially as creatives, we're really hard on ourselves. Yeah. And I think that like every little thing that goes wrong, even if it has nothing to do with you, like makes you think it's your fault, yeah. you know? Do you have a specific example? Yeah. I have like a whole week that was just like a hot soaking mess. I'm trying to think. <laughs> it started when I lost, so I lost my license. That was not good. I lost my, the physical, my physical driver's oh. license, which is a mess. And yeah. so- because that means DMV. Right? Yes, that means DMV and also that I can't drive. So that means that I have to get rides yeah. or I have to lift. And also part of my job is like going to the record and going back. And like, you know, like that's not exactly the record's going on not on site? No, they're not. Okay. They're off site. So it was just like, a, it was one of those weeks. Um, and I also had waited to the really last minute to prep for record because I had been in the writer's room the, the day before. So I remember like, just being trapped not without a car that didn't work or that I couldn't drive and having to find a way to get to DMV I ended up uh just doing taking a lift and then I realized like very last minute that I hadn't prepped all my uh scripts yet for the record so the record was gonna happen like half an hour and half an hour to prep all this stuff and it was and you're at the DMV no 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 no, no, thank goodness not yet but like I was at work and I was like trying my best to do it and then the printer like jammed no and it, this is the thing about the printer is that it only jams when you need it right the most. Of that is the only and I was I was getting so mad Ugh. and it's those moments where you're like I want to yell like I want to yell and scream but I can't yeah I can't do that but I also want, need to make sure that nobody else uses the printer right now and yeah. so because there's only like one two printers on that floor and like all the other script coordinators use it and it's completely it's a completely on me for waiting the last minute yeah. but I had all this other stuff to deal with that I was just like whatever so I was printing everything, it jammed, I like ran over, like angrily, like yanked it open, saw where it was jammed, like pulled it out like a mad cave woman, like threw in the trash. And you could see the people who are sitting in that area were watching me. And like some of them kind of like, I'm friends with them, so they're fine, but they like kind of looked at me and they're like, yeah. Here's this are you crazy okay? guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like dumped the huge thing of paper in um, and like waited for it to go. And I, you know, it's a 15 minute drive to the place that I have to be at. And I had to call a lift, so it's gonna take much longer than that. So I was like frantically putting stuff together, and to the point where I went to like my script coordinator friend who's on a different show. Man, my life has been saved by other friends, and I was like, hey, can you help me print something, like please, right now? Can you help me do this? And she's not even on our show, and I would never ask someone to do this otherwise. But I was like, can you please help me? So I emailed her this thing, and I was like, can you just like highlight this for me and like print it out, please? Like I'm I'm gonna like be late. So she was really, really nice and, like, did that for me. Yeah. A huge favor. I would never ask someone. Does it take a long time? It doesn't take a long time, but it's, like, I should never be giving work to a different script yeah, coordinator on yeah. another show. Yeah. Um, and luckily it was still, like, ramp-up time for, for her show. So she had time. It wasn't yeah. like she was, like, delaying her own stuff. But she helped me print that out on, like, a different printer. Um, and I, like, printed everything out. And I, like, did it, like, the fastest that I've ever prepped for a record. And so I, like, had all the scripts in place, put all the, like, the actors' names in. Because it's a huge deal. If you don't have the scripts ready, 
they use those scripts to re- literally record off of. Like the actors So they it. can't record. Yeah. No, they can't record without it. Also, records are extremely expensive. Like, oh, these are shoot. all like yeah. sag. Like, it, it, so it'd just be like money going down yes, the drain. Yes, it'd be, it'd be blowing a lot of money. So um, I like ran and got all the papers, stuffed it in my bag. I have this big bag that like has a bunch of scripts, ran out and like was very lucky and called a lift and it, it came like within a minute, which is crazy. Cause normally they don't even show up in the right space. Normally it's like they're a block away and they're like, yeah. I'm sorry, it told me to go here. Cause you're on a lot yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, so got it. And there was luckily no traffic and I made it there. And like literally as our showrunner was walking in, I like walked in with the scripts and like dropped them down and was like, <sighs> Yeah. And to be fair, the showrunner was running like maybe five, ten minutes late. Yeah. So like I got really, really lucky. Because yeah. had they been on exactly on time, I would have definitely looked five to ten minutes late. And that's like a long time to yeah. keep an entire room of people waiting. Yeah. So that was like one less than delightful. And then after that it was over, I like went home and cried. It was yeah. one of those things where like you hold it all in. Yeah. And then when you're alone and safe, you're, you're like, like, oh, uh, that was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so stressful. Yeah. But for the most part, I've been very fortunate that like the shows I'm on are generally well run and very, very calm and the people uh, want to see everyone succeed. And I can't say that that's true for every instance. Right. But um, in my personal experience, I've been very, very lucky for that. So you haven't had like the stereotypical crazy Hollywood boss. I I have had one, oh. <laughs> but it was back when I was working in production. Okay. And so it wasn't quite, it wasn't when I was in my current role. I think it would have been much, much harder as a script coordinator to deal with that because that person determines the show. They determine whether or not you get a script. Yeah. So if you don't get along with the showrunner, it's really hard. It means you're probably not going to get a script. Yeah. And it probably means that your pitches in the room are going to fall flat because they're not going to put them in the script. Yeah, because you're, you're putting more on the table. You're putting a creative element on the yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when I was in production, it was like, we can just both hate each other. Yeah. I mean, it was, I knew that they weren't going to get rid of me because they needed someone on the show. That show was run in a, such a interesting way <laughs> that it would have been very, very hard yeah. to, uh, yeah, I, I, you know what? I would say I'm happy they didn't fire me. I don't want to say that they couldn't. They absolutely could at any point. But I feel like there's a pragmatic approach to like, this person's been here for X yeah. number of months, years. They know how it's run. Yes, we could hire a new person if this doesn't work out but like it was the general consensus of that crew that this person in charge simply was a unique learning curve for everyone oh yes this boss yes. it's like too hard to hire a new person to serve this boss yes it was kind of what like, did they do or like you don't have to blow their cover but no just generally. it was just a matter of um you know i i think it's a your basic hollywood stuff just like show up to your meetings on time um, oh, this person, like, wouldn't show up to Yeah, 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 and, um, you know, like, treat people like human people. Yeah. I feel like most like of Like human it, people. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, don't... Yeah, I, I think that a lot of issues in terms of boss-subordinate relations could be resolved if, like, the boss just, for a hot second, was like, how would this make me feel? Yeah. Oh. It was like... <laughs> They should have a little, like, mug or tattoo yeah. or something. But I feel like that's no. never no. on the mind. But yeah. really all they have to do is, like, sit in on a pre-K classroom any day of the week yes. and see what they're learning. Yeah, like the poster of yeah. general human kindness yes. rules. It's yeah. probably just sharing and, like, how does this make you feel? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't – I never want to be the person that, like, openly runs – a supervisor through the mud but I will say that that was an extreme learning experience and um it showed everyone on that crew a lot about who they were and who they wanted to be yeah. and who they didn't want to be yeah and I think that sometimes that's the best way to set yourself out on a course like I don't think I would have been as motivated to pursue board board art like drawing or writing had I not been in that situation because it was so terrible that yeah. I was like Oh man, I don't love this enough. Yeah, yeah. I need to figure. I need to figure out what I want to do so yeah. that I don't take out my angst on other people around me. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, I echo that sentiment because it's. I don't know. At different 
you can be at an agency or wherever and you just see people who are obviously a lot of people love that job but there are people you can just tell are miserable and you're like you don't have to do this you also are perfectly positioned to do whatever you want go do whatever you want yeah especially if they're at an agency it's like you know the town yeah go pick a job yeah pick a job any job job. any job (laughs) Um, is there like a worst thing someone has said to you or a most ridiculous thing someone has said to you? I'm trying to think. Um, oh man. I feel like the worst things were never directed at me, uh-huh. which was awesome. I've been very, very lucky, but I have overheard like insane things and I have also, uh, had my friends been treated in a crazy way. Oh, actually, the most, I will say this, the most uh, frequent and unappreciated sentiment that is directed toward me is not from anyone that I usually work with. It's when yeah. I'm going on either meetings or informational drinks. Yeah. I, I had a uh, encounter with a someone who had, was a recent grad, a, uh, a fun man who essentially insinuated that it was harder to be an upper-class white man in Hollywood nowadays because they didn't have the benefits of diversity programs or financial aid or all these things and they made a huge point to try to say like well it's easier to live life it's essentially saying like you're lucky if you're a woman of color what? And I, I very much had to be like okay what? it sounds like you've really brushed over a lot of societal and historical um i i tried to play it very calm i'm a couple years older than this person so i feel like they were also just angsty didn't know what they wanted to do you know like i'm trying to be empathetic to younger than them yeah i they were younger than me like you don't need to be empathetic to someone who says something like that that's like (laughs) heinous i you know and i i think everyone's at a different place in growth and so i was like okay maybe this person just doesn't know better i basically was like well you know um that what that perspective doesn't take into account is a lot of the challenges that people of color and women historically and systematically have to deal with. Yeah. And basically, um, I tried my best to be like, look, these are my circumstances. Yeah. And this is where I'm coming from. Like, I just, I tried to level with them and was like, look, uh, these, these things exist because when I go to a comedy club, I'm probably going to be one of at most five women of color yeah and that's like a generous number I'm like on a lineup you mean or on a lineup on any show that I'm performing on or even that's the a audience huge I feel like much less yeah I feel like you'd be the token one yeah at most sometimes like I you even go to a big comedy yeah. club and it'll be like a couple white women thrown in and then maybe one woman of color yeah yeah I went to a show at the Laugh Factory which was really funny yeah entirely men yeah not one woman yeah and they feel great if they throw one woman yeah in. Yeah. yeah 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 and um you know I think that that there's a lot of aspects to like why that's the case and like part of it for me I'm like okay well then I better be doing everything I can you know yeah like if, if I feel that way I don't want to just sit and complain because that's annoying to everyone yeah. I want to be doing something on the other hand of that it's really intimidating to start something when no one who looks like you or has your perspective totally. exists on the stage so I think I think that would be the most annoying thing that I heard and I think yeah. it's not out of malice I don't think anyone wakes up and is like I can't wait to piss off or oh, just in my own name it's okay I said it too we'll beep it out okay <laughs> um I can't wait to like piss off this person because um I, I just want to say something mean like I don't think anyone thinks that I think most people are just seeking affirmation and validation for how they're feeling but especially when upper class straight white men with many opportunities, position themselves to be the victim in a situation where they're not, it very much reads to me as like, you just don't want to work as hard as some of these people who have worked their butts off, you know? Like, totally. This person that I'm referring to has never, like, lived beyond a 15-mile radius of the town they grew up in. (laughs) That's nothing wrong with that. But that is to say that that is a very isolated experience. And this area that this person grew up in is probably the richest 1% of California. (laughs) And California is already... very wealthy yeah so um you know I think that that has to do with their perspective and again I'm trying to be understanding of that because I have limitations in my viewpoints as well but I do get a little frustrated I I would say that's the worst I hate hearing that especially when I'm on dinner or when it's a it's a person of power 
and they're insinuating that like people will read my script because it's about a woman of color and that's the hot topic these days like you guys are yeah. so trendy or like I'll be in an acting class and they'll be like my favorite you take words. acting class oh yeah I do take acting class I'm, I'm a writer performer so I'm all about that life amazing um but when I'm in like an acting class and they'll be like you know like diversity is all the rage right now so good for you and you can tell yeah that they very much see it as like a trend or something that yeah. like is being taken from them and I don't think that that's the intention of the current movement I don't think that that's the outcome or the goal I think that we're just trying to like reinforce the notion that all people have value regardless of their like flesh prison and right. that they should be represented on screen yeah. as opposed to like we're gonna check a bunch of boxes because we're good people we need to feel good about ourselves like to be fair like I've never gone through a diversity initiative ever in, in, other than the the one that UCB which I was very lucky to get yeah. but like in terms of writing all of my writing stuff has come to me just by way of like personal uh relationships and like reaching out and like I didn't grow up in an industry family my parents do not know anyone yeah. one who, who works in entertainment uh who has helped me get like an immediate job um and uh the contacts that I have been introduced to by personal means I would never ever ask them for like that kind of help because it would make me uncomfortable right so I mostly just try to show the people that I work with that I'm good to work with and yeah. I think most of my community has been built from going to mixers or meeting people at work and then just like being part of the comedy community and like finding people you actually connect to like you don't you're not gonna I think that's something that I learned too is like I'm not for everyone and not everyone's for me and that's okay like I don't need to schmooze around and make every single person like me if you just find people who really connect to what's important to you you'll actually go a lot I think for me like I've gone way farther with that mentality because it's, it's like also a, an interesting mirror to content like you're not going to make a piece of content that speaks to everyone or that everyone thinks is funny and if you try to do that then you're just not gonna get something good right yeah. so it's I mean it's the same thing in terms of connections yeah um I would say like when when it comes to like connecting and building a community like build it with like people who you can honestly like stand by and who you know would honestly stand by you and if one of those factors isn't there like keep looking because right. it's not good to have people on your team who aren't actually on your team and it'll it's a huge mess because I I've made that mistake really early on before and kind of learned like oh I don't think we even have the same like values. I don't think that we should collaborate together because yeah. this isn't going to work, you know? Yeah. And it's like it's like dating. It's just like it, yeah. it's very similar to that. It is like dating and those networking drinks after work yeah. often seem like bad dates. Yeah. And the person that you're getting drinks with is sometimes trying to make it a date. Like yeah. that's the other thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> It's like, go away. Why are you doing that? Yeah, it's so weird. We just emailed five times and then are for some reason getting drinks in case yeah. we want to get each other a job one day. It's very weird. Yeah. It's a very it weird a culture. Weird but I like the idea of, like, because what you're saying is basically you'd much rather have a circle of authentic connections yes. than a wide yes. sea of people who you are fake. Yes. Yeah. Also, because those people, you like, then you can't trust them. Like, to me, it's like, I don't want someone who has a bad reputation at their workplace to refer me. Now I'm tied to this person who everyone around them thinks is problematic. If I don't genuinely agree with their stance, then I'm going to think they're problematic. But now I'm obligated by political means to probably endorse them in some way because they help me get this job. Like, it just becomes a mess. Right. So, uh, pass. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> nope. And I, I mean, you can't, yeah. A lot. Yeah. The whole thing is a lot. Yay! Yeah, that was helpful. Thank you for coming. Yeah, of course. Of course thanks for having me. Oh, these headphones feel. Thanks, you guys, for listening all the way through to the end. What a great interview! Uh, just a reminder to check out Talk to My Assistant on Instagram, Facebook, the website and blog, talktomyassistant.com. Check out those cool new services and please subscribe, rate, and review. Um, we'll be back again with a new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, if you want to reach out with any questions or comments, shoot me an email at talktomyassistant at gmail.com. Theme song by Ryan Hegan with lyrics by me and cover art by Chelsea Javier. Thanks so much, guys. Hey.